The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of The Scoop Podcast, presented by PPG. I am Sam Kassan, and on today's episode, we're going to go in the room with In the Room. That is the Penguins Emmy Award winning web series that gives fans an inside look at the team from everything from players being mic'd on the ice, the coaches' pre and post game speeches, and even visiting players at their homes to show their human side. The show has won six straight Mid Atlantic Emmy Awards, and no doubt there are many more to come. The first episode of the current season just aired last weekend. If you haven't seen it, you can catch it on the Penguins website, on ATT Sportsnet, or on the Penguins' newly launched YouTube page. While it takes many people to put a show together, two of the show's producers are joining us today. They are John Oddy and Andrew McIntyre. John joined the team in 2012, while Andrew jumped on board in 2014. Over the past several years, they have seen everything from Stanley Cup championships to coaching changes and everything in between. They shared some incredible stories about City Crosby's Cup Party, funny player mics, and many more with myself and Michelle Crecciolo. So let's not waste any more time and get right to it. So excited to have you guys here today. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Sammy. And of course, Andrew, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the podcast today. Yep, thanks for having us. We're pumped. I know I'm excited. Michelle's excited as well to have you guys here. Yeah, I mean, we see what they do behind the scenes on a daily basis, and they're just both so incredibly talented at what they do, and also two really good friends of ours. So I know from the moment we started this podcast, these two were were guests that we wanted from day one, and we're so excited to to finally have you guys here. Yeah, it did take us a while. We wanted to get you last year, but things things were a lot of moving parts last year. We're glad to finally get you, but this is what everybody wants to hear. You've got these guys mic'd for practices, for games. Give us a little dirt, a little insight into these guys and the conversations (laughs) they're having, whether it be with opponents, with each other, with the referees, uh, any really good mics that you can uh, recall? Well, I guess I can jump out talking about Matt Cullen. This was during the 2017 Stanley Cup Final during the in the handshake line against Nashville. He's basically telling everyone on the ice that this is it. He's done. You know, Coach Sullivan's congratulating him. What a way to go out, man. I'm so happy for you. Um, Crosby's telling him, I'm glad you came back, two for two. Amazing moments like that. But um, I'm sitting in the corner of the arena as all the fans are watching these handshakes go on, and our guys hoist the cup, and I'm listening to all these conversations, and I'm the only one who knows, like, all right, Matt Cullen, this is his last <laughs> time on the ice. Thanks, Sully. <laughs> great way to go up, bro. Are you kidding me? It's a great way to go up. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I played the last shift with you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, awesome. you're a hell of a person. I appreciate it. Awesome, oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. So fun yeah. to be around you guys. Hey. We did it. We did it. You had, you had the inside scoop. Yeah. And, you know, obviously his career was kind of coming towards the end, and you pick up little things or throughout the season. I remember being in Minnesota, and after the game, an arena worker came up to him, and it was like, Cully, we're going to see you. Same time next year, he goes, not a chance, man. How <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> wrong he was, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I even had, like, a, a short conversation with him during that final run. You know, I kind of said, like, hey, like, win or lose, is is this really it for you? Like, is, are you sure that's what you want to do? And it's like, yeah, I think so. But might as well win it, right? <laughs> so, way to go, right? But, yeah, so that's kind of a cool instance that I can think of. I'm sure, Andrew, you have plenty, right? 
Yeah, I mean, the one that jumps to my mind straight away is in the 2018 playoffs when we were playing the Flyers. Uh, it was game six in Philadelphia. We had a chance to close them out. Uh, I think we went down 4-2 in that game, and I happened to have Mr. Jake Gensel mic'd up, who scored four goals in a row. Um, <laughs> the, the last two within, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, and he had an assist to five-point night, and, you know, th- obviously you can't, have any sense of what's going to happen on a given night you just find a guy who's willing to wear the mic that night and he he was the guy who it was his turn I guess and that was probably the most fun mic that I've been listening to live because that's he's not just the star of the game he's the star of the league that night you know and so getting to to be you know right next to him the whole game was awesome um you know so I that moment in particular was very unique. Scoring four goals is always unique, but yeah, to, well, it's cl- a historic moment to too, close only, out the series, yeah. Only Mario Lemieux and Kevin Stevens had had four goals yeah. in the game for the Penguins in the playoffs, and Jake Ensel put his name right up there. Yeah, and there's a lot of wooing. And, <laughs> you know, we have a clip of that that we can play for you, so just a just an advanced woo warning, you know. Here, boys, come on! We're gonna win that battle. Yeah. Last time you did that, I scored, so. You should tell him about that Malkin OV uh, oh, yeah. situation. Yeah, that was a good one. I think that was in 2016, I wanna say. Maybe 15, 16 season. I was filming a mic in Washington. Um, I had I had Evgeny Malkin mic'd up and he and Ovi started getting a little close on the ice they were they were jawing a little bit and uh, obviously I wasn't watching the broadcast but the sense after the game that I saw on the internet reaction is what was going on with Malkin and Ovi tonight it's really heated they were talking about it on the broadcast the fans were really curious it's one of those situations where you think man if only I could hear what they were saying well we could hear what they were saying (laughs) well not in the moment I guess we have um uh, George Berman, who works for the Penguins, uh, he was uh, Gino's translator for a while, helping him get acclimatized here. But, you know, anytime we have Gino mic'd up and he's speaking in Russian, we have him come take a look. And so we brought him in and listened to this clip. And, you know, what they what they say? We got this. We have the dirt here. What was going on out there? And if I'm remembering it correctly, um, Evgeny Malkin was asking Ovechkin how he was enjoying the excitement around his new child and <laughs> Ovi in return asked Malkin where he and his family were going to vacation <laughs> on their upcoming break so it's, it's really funny conversation that yeah just gets blown out of proportion yeah and people that I don't know what they're saying but you knew what they're saying it's it's incredibly unique sometimes to get to see that stuff because it, it as just a hockey fan it it really shows you a lot and not to put any of the mics down but a lot of them are more you know a little more calm than you would think every game's not that exciting Uh, you know every mic is sometimes you got to kind of edit it to give it a little more flavor because it's you know for these guys it's their job and they they always care but it's not always that exciting are there any players in particular that you always enjoy when you get them uh, to wear a mic regardless of the the time of year well, I will say probably the most legendary mics I've shot in my day were Zach Sill. <laughs> Siller. <laughs> against the Toronto Maple Leafs, trying to fight everybody on the ice in like his eighth NHL game. And Max LaPierre in the playoffs 
at Madison Square Garden. Uh, <laughs> these guys are just psychos. <laughs> insane, insane, <laughs> yeah. literally insane. <laughs> but in a good way. It's awesome. They're competitive. Uh, that's the main thing. But um, our go-to guys now, Patrick Hornquist for sure, right? I can only oh, yeah. imagine how his mics are. He <laughs> Like, almost never stops talking. <laughs> <laughs> we always get really excited when we know he's going to wear the mic. And he volunteers sometimes, too. Like, if we are kind of, you know, struggling to find someone, people aren't really digging it at the time, like, Hornquist will come up to our PR team and be like, give it to me. Like, I'm wearing the mic tonight. Yeah. Cool? I love th- that. I wonder if he puts on an extra show when he knows he's wearing the mic, too. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he is who he is. Yeah. He definitely is who he is. I think so. Oh, I think he is who he is, but also there's a – I have a funny memory with that is I, I, I think it was in that same playoff series against the Flyers where we had Gensel mic'd up for that game is that uh, Horney was kind of getting in trouble for being a little too animated with the refs. <laughs> and as a way to prove that he was calming down, he volunteered to wear the mic to prove here we have every second of me out on the ice and look i was very respectful to the refs and it was without a doubt the calmest patrick Hornquist <laughs> mike he was very well behaved and so wow. it, you know it worked a lot of please a lot of thank yous yeah very polite <laughs> a lot of pardons yeah it was the most boring patrick Hornquist <laughs> yeah. and then there's other times where the ref comes up was it Hornquist, and he said like man your wife must be tired of hearing you talk <laughs> <laughs> I well, can't remember so, who that was. I yeah. think it was Horny. What was the moment, too, with Horny where him and the ref were just getting into it all game, and then finally Horny was just like, ah, oh, you're right, you're right. Like, I feel like you well, guys that was used a, it in I, a blueberry. Yeah, video. I know what you're talking about. I think it's a little different, mm-hmm. but I, I know which one you're talking about, and I'm pretty sure that was that was probably 2015-16 or 16-17. You know, it was a, a game against the Capitals. Uh, I'm pretty sure the the play went that the puck ended up on net somehow and Horny went in to do what he does and just crashed the <laughs> net and I think the whistle had blown and he still took a swat at Holpe's glove and you know the <laughs> pile up ensues right. and you know there's a lot of lot of choice words going on in there and I think uh, you can hear Matt Niskanen yelling at him like always the same guy always the same guy and. <laughs> And Horny in that moment, you know, he he's starting to come down a little bit. And he's like, yeah, that's my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I agree with you on that one. So. There's usually a lot of apologies on Hornquist, yeah. Mike, yeah. which is pretty funny, like, because he's such an animal. And then yeah. he, like, like snaps back into it and he goes, all right, guys, I'm sorry. That's my bad. Yeah, you can literally see the switch going between work mode and yeah. personal mode out there. Oh. And that being said, he's, he's awesome. He's such a good dude. And yeah. That's why it's so fun is because you can tell that he's having fun and knows the line between his job and being respectful to everyone out there. So it's really cool to see that, and it's always entertaining. I think it's fascinating, too, when you, when you have these guys that between the whistles, they're best friends. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about Ovi and Malkin. They're like best friends chatting up, and then as soon as the puck drops, it's, they do turn that switch and just become a completely different player and mm-hmm. running guys. And, you know, whether it's uh, Chris Kunis was always like that where – He'd be talking so friendly with everybody, then through the puck thing, he just rams somebody <laughs> into the glass, as you experienced, John. Yeah, yeah, this was against the Flyers a couple years back. I was in my typical spot right behind the net waiting for some action, and I could just see the look in Cooney's eyes as he's... <laughs> see the fire. Yeah, as he just had this, like, demonic look as he's going at... <laughs> as the defenseman's collecting the puck, and he smoked this guy the pane of glass actually popped out and fell sort of into the crowd 
and then flopped back onto the ice. But it happened to be the pane of glass directly next to where I was sitting. And, um, you know, so there was a stoppage in play for a moment and everyone's kind of like, holy smokes, like <laughs> Kunitz just killed that guy. <laughs> but was what was, what was kind of cool was um, as the pane of glass was out and the workers hadn't come out to switch it yet, Claude Giroux skated over with, picked up the game puck and gave it to the two fans that were sitting oh, nice. right there. And, uh, yeah, a little cool keepsake for them. And, you know, I'm sure the pane of glass hitting them in the legs didn't feel too well, but <laughs> it's probably a cool memory for them to have. Yeah, I've, uh, Andrew, you've been between the benches a lot. Uh, have you been in any uh, immediate danger uh, <laughs> yeah, from I, there? Between the benches is awesome. I would say that for me, all the cool stuff I get to experience on a day-to-day basis, that's that's the one for me that always does it. If it's open and I can get between there with the camera, it's so it's so cool. I mean, besides the players, the refs, the coaches, uh, and maybe Bob Harry. Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> Bob Harry or another. Bob com- Harry's definitely the highlight. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know another commentator in there. You're you're the only person on that side of the glass who's not participating in the game in some way and it makes it really hard to go shoot from the upper deck sometimes. Right. <laughs> you can, can feel the speed. Yeah, the intensity, it's insane. I mean, I know it looks fast uh, in any of the seats, but when you're on that side of the glass and you're exposed to it, it really takes on a much more intense feeling when you're watching that game and you can when you can feel the breeze of these guys going by. Um, but, yeah, it can get a little risky in there sometimes. You know, uh, you're right by the visiting team's bench. You're kind of standing on that glass there, and, Sometimes guys need to bail out if they think they have too many men. You might get a blade that swings near you. Um, and I would say, I don't know, f- half a dozen times last season, a puck got shot between the benches, and it's it's <laughs> terrifying. And I can't believe that I haven't been hit yet. The first time Knock I ever did it. Yeah. yeah. As soon as this podcast airs, right. you're going to take um, one yeah. right yeah. I'm doomed. <laughs> I'm in so much trouble. First time I ever shot between the benches, I didn't know that we were required to wear a helmet in coming in after the first period i probably heard it from about five different people and now that i've done it a lot of times i understand why right uh and it's it's definitely a real risk it's really hard to try and film and you're looking at your little screen but also you have to worry about a frozen rubber disc getting rocketed (laughs) in at 100 miles an hour and it happens i think uh bob airy took one when i was in there last year to the head so it was it it definitely happens right and gino just like Gave a wave, like, sorry, yeah, bud. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, you know, that's that's the risk. Yeah. But, yeah, I, that's it's so cool. It's worth it. I'll, you know, I'll eat a puck to get to do that for my right? job. <laughs> yeah, totally. Eric and Branson, time and space from the clearing attempt. That's going to throw it up the boards, and the puck into Bob Airy's direction. Yeah, Everything yeah, okay was, down yeah, there? It's okay, yeah. You know, I got dinged against Carolina before. You know that. Oh, Carolina. No. Yeah, I was thinking about it coming in today. I was, I was, I didn't see that, I didn't see my man here help me out. Could you not block that? (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever hear a pregame speech where you were ready to run through a wall for the team? (laughs) There was actually one, it was against Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Final in 2016, where... um, Which, Which game was it? It was game seven. Game seven? Yeah. And uh, Sully said, you're knocking on the door. Let's go effing knock it down. (laughs) (laughs) 
um, and a few other things too, but like that was how we ended it and it was super powerful. And I remember capturing that moment and like walking back to our little office area after the game was over. Of course we had won and just playing that for everyone, you know, like of course uh, the goals were great and everything, but that speech, like everyone was just huddled around my computer listening. That that one stands out to me for sure. Yeah, I feel like, because I actually do remember when that happened, right after you heard it, you had to walk back and be like, oh, we're winning this game. <laughs> There's no way <laughs> yeah. after that speech you lose this game. Yeah, I mean, you could throw, you know, a bunch of people like me in the lineup, <laughs> five, seven, 135 pounds, but that speech does it all. Well, other than pregame speeches, what else do you see when you're around these guys, whether it's them warming up or getting dressed, or what are some of the things you kind of take away from those moments? Uh, for me, a, a personal favorite is def- definitely the gear up shot. I get that as much as possible. And I, I feel like for me, I've done it so many times now, especially at home. It's just kind of became my thing. Sorry, John. I just <laughs> don't ever let him do it. Um, but for for me, it's almost become me getting in the zone too, because you go in there and it, there's this intensity, even if it's just your average game night, you know, it's you're you walk into a room of 20 some professional athletes and it's the mo it's the calm before the storm and getting to film it so often you get to see the little nuances in guys putting on their gear putting on their jersey sitting in their stall maybe pumping their head to the beat of the music there's always tunes going it's it's always a really cool moment. I love it every time. It looks the same every time. We have probably several thousand more shots of guys <laughs> Say, how much more do you gearing need? <laughs> up than we will ever need, but maybe that's just to satisfy my own urge to get in there because it's always a cool moment. And, you know, I, I think I just completed my fifth season, and one of the fun things about that too is the, the guys get to know you. You know, we're around them a lot, so sometimes you'll be in there filming and you'll get a stick shoved into your side or something and... <laughs> It's it's fun. It's fun to get to be a part of it that way and definitely don't take that for granted. We talk about them getting to know you. I mean, you have to build that trust to have you guys around. Can you kind of expound on that, the way you guys have built that trusting relationship, not only with the players, but coaches, staff, PR, management. Everybody has to be kind of on board for you guys to do what you do. Do you guys trust us? Do you think we're trustworthy? <laughs> do we have any trust? Oh. That early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she reminded me of Titanic when Leonardo DiCaprio, do you trust me? So I yes. remind you of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yes. I want anyone who's statement. listening to this to have that <laughs> image in their mind when they hear this voice. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually started off a little bit on the hot seat with my position. I was the first like fully embedded camera guy with the team. I started in 2013, and Dan Bilesma and his crew were the coaching staff at the time, and they had agreed, like, all right, like, if we're going to do this, let's do it full on. So What was the 13 strike shortened season? Yep, yep. So 12-13. Yep, yep. And uh, I think this was even just a preseason game, and they let me come into the back coaching room just to get their discussions of lineups, things like that. And uh, Dan already had his mic on. And he walked out of his office to use the restroom. And I was just waiting around the corner patiently. I didn't really know what else to do. It might have been my first week on the job. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he came out of the bathroom, went back in his office and continued the discussion. But then, you know, three days later, I'm hearing that, um, John's waiting outside the bathroom for me with his camera. Like, what? Yeah, he told me. He's like, oh, I thought he was going to follow me in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should have. That's really in the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the bathroom. Every room. So, you know, yeah. it's just 
say that I didn't start off so well with the whole trust thing, I guess. <laughs> but uh, it's grown a lot from there. And, you know, I've been around for, I think I just finished my seventh season, which is crazy to think about. But, uh, you know, so I've been around the guys quite a bit. And it's we've seen coaching changes and a lot of player changes, obviously. And it's kind of something you have to start over with each season in a way. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've built cool. a lot of trust. Uh, yeah, I think that the trust element is something that, like John said, it's dynamic. I, I think that, uh, like I said, this was my fifth season, and there's probably only a handful of coaches and players that are remaining from that time. There's a lot of changeover, so it is an, it's an ever-evolving relationship. And that being said, the, the relationships that you have with the people uh, that stay here are very important to gaining trust to those other guys. Uh, we've been really lucky to film a lot of really cool stuff with uh, Sid over these years. We've done some personal stuff for him, the, his hockey camps in Nova Scotia. Um, and so he's he's very comfortable around us. And that that's the kind of thing that, while being subtle, is, is very significant in, you know, when he walks up to John or I at the start of a season and has a casual, how's your summer conversation, just a couple guys chatting it's the kind of little thing that maybe new guys around the room can take note of and think, all right, you know, if he's, if the leader's comfortable around these guys, I should be able to, you know, trust them. And that definitely opens up the door. And I think uh, we had an audio clip here of Mike Sullivan and uh, he, he definitely understands that trust. And he, he often expresses that he's grateful to John and I for the way that we produce the show because that he knows he can trust us and it's you know when you're when you're a guy like Mike Sullivan you're very animated and you're in the moment and you're not going to be worried about the mic you're wearing that night when there's something happening on the ice and so you know he's expressed that to us that there's there's definitely a level of trust there and and if that trust gets violated at all see ya you know that's it so we we take it very seriously and maybe sometimes there are things we could air um, that would be okay, but maybe it's something that's not worth it because you don't want to you don't want to push it because we're not here to do that. We're just here to, you know, give a glimpse in. We're not here to try and make headlines, I guess. So everyone's aware of that, and and I think that we all have good boundaries around that, and it's important. Well, let's take a listen to that Mike Sullivan clip right now. Number one, I think it's really cool. I can understand why fans love the inside looks into training camps and. You know, I love the NFL one. I love that hard knocks. Like, I watch that all the time. You know, you get just kind of an inside look into sports. And so I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm surprised our league doesn't do it with more teams. The, the thing about it is, as long as, as, long as um, there's a little bit of a vetting process with what gets aired, and because obviously as a coach, you're always worried about certain things that might, might be viewed that you don't want to view. You know what happens is when you start wearing those microphones, and you guys know this, you forget you have them on. You know, there's a, there's a trust element that's so critically important to that initiative. And if, like, we trust you guys that, uh, like, when I wear your microphones, I don't worry about you guys. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but if you got a, all of a sudden you get a third party in there, like you got HBO running it. But when you're going into that situation, you don't know those people. All it takes is, is, is one one thing that that betrays that trust and then now you're going to go down a road with coaches where they'll be like not a chance yeah and it's just amazing i mean like like sully said you guys have, have chronicled so much and i think an example that stands out to me that is 
just a perfect example of the trust you guys have, especially with Sid, is uh, so myself, John, Andrew, and Jason Seidling, um, who was our director of communications, uh, is now in team services. But we had the opportunity to go to Nova Scotia and cover uh, Sid's cup festivities uh, for the entire time. And it was something that you guys uh, shot everything. I mean, from the moment we got there to the moment we left, everything was recorded just so not only we can use that for our purposes, the the, the parts that um, are able to kind of be shown, but also for his purposes, that he has, you know, those memories on tape and, and, and recorded. And it's just amazing that, you know, you guys have that relationship that he can trust you to film literally everything that <laughs> happens um, and know that, you know, like only the approved things are going to get out. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, uh, that was that was one of those situations. Uh, so John got John got to be in the room for both cup celebrations. I was not in San Jose, so my first experience was when we were in Nashville, and that's a moment where it's it's not real. It's it's a situation where you can't have fathom how you would end up there, even if you knew you were doing video and hockey. It's just it's unbelievably lucky and it's something that in the moment where you can really take it in because it's so unique and then coming off of that we got to go uh sid invited us up to document his day with the cup in nova scotia we had been there the previous summer to film his hockey camp so he had us back up there we kind of knew the routine a bit um and you know we filmed his his day with the cup his parade um some of the public stuff he did but you know, obviously he was having his private cup party and we did not want to be presumptuous and assume we're going. So in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, that's when we will hang out at the hotel, get a couple <laughs> drinks, whatever. But, you right. know, him being the, the great guy that he is, of course, we're invited. You know, it's not even a thought for him. So he extends the invite. And I just remember standing in Sidney Crosby's backyard in Nova Scotia thinking this is really inappropriate that I'm here. I have no <laughs> business. This is, I mean, what yeah. a what a guy. And I think at a certain point after documenting it maybe a little bit, John kind of looked at me and he's like, all right, let's, here we go. Let's get after it now. Like this is, <laughs> let's really take enough. it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, the personal enjoyment of that moment is it's, through the roof it's incredible yeah. and you feel very lucky i mean that might be the highlight of both cup runs for me is yeah being at Sidney crosby's lake house in nova scotia celebrating the stanley cup championship with him it was just truly like i, I still can't wrap my head around it however many years later and you know a, a great part about that was that i was with you guys in 2015 when we went for the first year of his uh, the Sidney crosby hockey school then we all went back in 2016 for the cup festivities. And the greatest part was when we won in 2017, um, you know, all, we were all in the locker room afterward and, and Sid saw me and he comes over and he's like, Sydney Crosby Hockey School, here's the dates. You guys are coming. You're good luck. <laughs> like, because like that Two was in just, a row. It had to be yeah. us visiting the hockey camp. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> that was, but it's just, you know, it was amazing that not only did, you know, he was so gracious and, and, um, so wonderful to us uh, both times we went, but you know, just to make that little joke um, was just something that was so cool um, and obviously very, very Sid. So uh, it was pretty great. Yeah, I, I don't want to one up you here, Mish, but um, <laughs> <laughs> please do. It, no, please do. I have a very similar story in 2016 in 
San Jose is just in the locker room after things kind of had wound down after the win and I just went up to him shook his hand said congrats on winning and you know thanks for the awesome season and literally the first thing out of his mouth was Sidney Crosby Hockey School (laughs) (laughs) this summer that's amazing I will say though John walks around the office in the Sidney Crosby Hockey School uh, shirt all (laughs) day every day I swear it's the only shirt he has yep I represent it Plus, I'm as small as a lot of the campers, so like, <laughs> it was easy for them to pick out some swag and but, throw it to me. You know, it's noted in the room. John walks in with his Sidney Crosby hockey school, and he, he turns heads. Uh, you know, yeah. other players, hey, where do I get one of those? And Sid's yeah. like, well, advertising. you, you got to come to the camp. So Yeah, and yeah. even his parents, when they come into Pittsburgh and go to games to see Sid, I'll, it's, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but I'm wearing the clothes, and they love it. <laughs> well, you, you wear know? it every day, yeah. so those are good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they love it. And I saw him at the All-Star game this year, and I was in a suit and tie, and I think his mom, Trina, was even like, John, like, where's the hockey clothes? <laughs> He's stressed. Said you might have to get me a blazer this year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That would be incredible. But, John, I mean, you having been in the room – in 2016 and 2017 for both cup celebrations. I mean, you probably think, you know, the first time it's just once in a lifetime might not ever happen again. What was it like to kind of get another opportunity to not only just experience that again, but I mean, things you learned about like certain shooting angles and what you need to capture and, you know, like what did you kind of take away from one year to the next? Yeah. I mean, it helped a lot that Andrew was able to come to Nashville Uh, the second year because he wasn't in San Jose the first year Um, so just coverage wise we were able to split up and get more because of it but I remember filming the locker room celebration in San Jose and just kind of like snapping out of it for a second and I locked eyes with our other Pence TV producer Megan McManaman I think I just mouthed the words like this is incredible and she's just like she just is like I know like and we're across the room like she couldn't hear me, but she knew exactly what I was saying. And uh, just kind of a cool moment. But I remember just, like, seeing some of my footage after that and, um, you know, thinking, like, oh, like, if I'm ever in this situation again, like, who knows if that'll ever happen. <laughs> but, you know, I have some things that I'd like to do a little differently. And um, one of them was I think HBO got this awesome shot of Kunitz coming into the locker room with the cup for the first time and everyone's dousing them in champagne and I'm at that time I had I was still on the ice filming guys with their families and stuff so I made sure I was in the room before the cup came in when Sid got doused in champagne this year and iconic shot yeah we got covered too I I was sort of in the background of a lot of tv angles and photos and stuff which I didn't realize at the time I swear but like it's kind of a cool photo to have yeah right yeah. it is fun too when your friends are watching the celebration they're like oh like Michelle was that you wearing the pink dress or the blue dress walking by I was like yep yeah, that was me <laughs> like it's pretty funny it was the blue dress for sure right blue dress in 2016 pink dress in 2017 okay yeah yeah I know there's some weird superstition yep. there <laughs> <laughs> and so you know Sid wore the same suit both years like you, you got to control what you can control, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the biggest thing, like I said before, was just having Andrew there because we could kind of split off and do our thing. So, you know, as the guys are piling over the boards to go hug Matt Murray, I'm in the corner filming a couple of guys mic'd up at that time while Andrew's on our bench filming the guys hopping over, getting some cool slow-mo shots, and then he's the first one on the ice, uh, you know, as guys are greeting their family and, 
giving their moms and dads hugs and kisses and stuff like that. And I'm, you know, I can still be kind of positioned in a spot to capture all this great audio from, it was Matt Cullen mic'd up that night, as we said before, Ian Cole, um, love that guy, and um, <laughs> and Coach Sullivan. Yeah, I remember you guys, um, when we went to, John, you and I went to Minnesota last summer to visit Matt Cullen and, and Jake Gensel, and it was just great because I was able to talk to you and Andrew about what you heard on the mic maybe from that celebration in 2017. And you're like, wow, like we got Mike Sullivan. He's talking to Ron Burkle and Mark Recchi. And he's just like, I mean, he said to them, you know, Jake, this kid's the real deal. Like, no stage is too big for him. He's he's the real deal and he's only going to get better. You know, like things like that, that you, and it was the lead of my story because it was just like such an incredible line from him and it, it was so accurate. And, you know, yeah. So the things that you guys heard um, throughout that run is just like so cool to think about. And then just being in the room itself, like what was that like for you guys just in terms of like I mean you talked about was like just personally but for the cup <laughs> when you're like when you I get mean, the drink out of it too I mean it's yeah you and know, you're getting you, you know you're trying to keep your camera dry <laughs> it's not a big deal calm down everyone <laughs> I just remember thinking like are their cameras okay because you were getting doused in so much alcohol um probably couldn't see you probably had to keep wiping your camera off like I mean what like just was it just chaos, pure chaos for you guys? Yeah, I mean, John obviously had the experience, but I got some I got some handy tips going in there. You know, <laughs> you go in with your garbage bag, cover your camera. I think I grabbed a Gatorade towel, real quick, uh, to wipe off the lens because it's getting wet a lot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but in terms of that moment, yeah, it's. I, I think I kind of said earlier, it's it's literally hard to believe. It's you can't think of a situation in which you'd be allowed to be there. So, yeah. you know, I, for me personally, I, I remember when we won in Nashville that I kind of was posted up on the same spot for a while and I was pretty close to the cup where for most of the celebration, Sid's pouring it for guys. Um, and I remember Marc-Andre Fleury standing right next to me and, you know, he's such an incredible human, uh, the you best. know, he, you know, he, he just won a cup and. I just remember a lot of that time being in there during the celebration, being able to kind of chit chat with him, you know, he just won the cup and we're just standing next to each other for a while. That's something that that's a really specific and special memory of getting to understand what a moment is to someone like that, who's given their entire life to this endeavor. And here they are in that moment and they're sharing it with you. It's, it's really special. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry you got stuck next to me for this <laughs> important moment in your life. I'm totally ruining this for you. We talked about building that rapport with these players in those mundane conversations. Sometimes you guys are the introduction to these players when they arrive, whether it's uh, Carl Hagelin getting traded here or Nick Bukestad and, and Jared McCann when they arrived in that one day where they literally got traded from Florida, flew up, and then were in the lineup that night. I mean, what's it like when you are kind of in those first expressions, those experiences? I know, John, you've been through a few of those. Yeah, certainly a little weird. You know, like, again, <laughs> why why am I the first representative from the Penguins meeting these guys? And also, I just am miking you up and putting a camera in your face, like, welcome to the team. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, Bukestad and McCann were, was a very unique situation just with the timing of when they got into Pittsburgh and, you know, how they had to rush to the game in order to make it on time. And, uh, yeah, honestly, like, I try to get as much dirt on the two as I could. I know the Florida Panthers video guy a little bit, so I just shot him a quick text just to see, like, hey, what are these guys like? And he assured me they're both 
really good, genuine dudes. So, you know, I really didn't have anything to worry about. And um, we kind of just waited for them at the airport and waited for their jet to arrive. Apparently they're stretching in the plane and taping sticks, stuff like that, uh, which is pretty wild. Nick Buke said his wife was pregnant um, and due in, you know, a couple of months, but still is like, I'm going to this other state, you know, across the country and sorry, but I got to kind of leave you for, for a bit. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, you know, as they're getting off the plane, it's just like literally get your stuff into the car, all your hockey gear, and then I'll deal with micing you up on the way, stuff like that and ask you a few questions. But that one was cool. They had a, a motorcycle, a police motorcycle escort, just one guy, kind of on like a weird snowy slushy day, just charging it, just, <laughs> just like, you know, parting the seas for us essentially, so we could get to the game on time. Whoa. And uh, pretty cool to get to know uh, McCann and Bukestead in that way. And just, you know, if you were watching the broadcast that night or even at the game, they put live footage as they're entering the rink on the big screen and on TV. And I'm just right there behind them following with the camera. And they walk in the locker room, shake Sully's hand and basically get their stuff on. And they miss warmups and everything, right? Just during. Yeah, because the puck drop was 7.07 and they literally hit the ice at 7.05 as O Canada was being sang. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about the nick yeah. of time. And then as soon as they did O Canada, they did, uh, you know, the American National Anthem. And then they both jumped on the ice, did a quick twirl. Went right back to the bench, like, all right, here we go. Yep. Yeah, those guys <laughs> yeah. are great. Well, how was well, Hagelin then? Because he was a one-person. That, that was Andrew in the car for that one. <laughs> yeah, that was funny because that one was we met him at the airport, just the regular airport. Sometimes guys are able to come in on a, you know, team jet or something, so they get a little quicker access. But uh, I think Hags came in just to the regular airport, and John and I are just, you know, the total creep paparazzi waiting <laughs> at the baggage claim with cameras, you know, and you walk up to Did him. Do you have a sign? Carl Hagelin? Yeah, Mr. Hagelin. <laughs> um, that one was funny. He was he was really cool about it. Uh, he he let us film, you know, grabbing his sticks out of the, the you know. The um, carousel. Yeah, the carousel. <laughs> and, yeah, I rode in the car with him, and that one was, you know, those are funny little moments, and, and obviously you portray them as interesting as they are, but personally, you know, the rest of the Carl Hagelin arriving story is, you know, the driver took him to Juniper Grill in Cranberry, and we had to sit in the car while he ordered a takeout meal. And <laughs> the there driver? Was, there was a, Carl? Carl went in, oh, okay. the driver and I are in there, and we can see the TV inside. There's like, I think it was like a Packers and bears game on or something and it was very dramatic and yeah. carl's in there at the bar and you know waiting for his food to come out and i don't know just those funny little moments those things yeah. where it's just those don't really make it into the show it's a bunch of random <laughs> assortment of humans doing their things together in a funny little moment yeah and that's that's not going in the show but that's it's always memorable those just weird little in-between moments which yeah. happen often well i'm sure when you yeah like when you are planning out the show, what's the process like? And I'm sure when something like, you know, Buse and McCann arriving or Hagelin arriving happens, I mean, that's probably something like, oh, we can we can really use a big chunk of this in the show. How does that planning process work? It's definitely for you a big it's <laughs> every I would say at least every month you get something that's unexpected outside of game coverage or maybe pre planned events. There's you know, it's it's a very dynamic kind of situation so there's stuff pops up trades uh you know whatever we need you to come down here this just happened an injury or whatever so but outside of that i don't know i guess john you can kind of take that yeah i mean it 
sort of writes itself, the show does, considering we mostly follow how the team is doing throughout the month. But um, there's obviously certain things that we can ask for in advance. If, you know, we know that Nick Bukestad and his wife are having a kid, maybe we could ask to go to their place and meet the newborn and see how life is as a dad and, you know, how he, you know, can balance his hockey and hockey life and his life at home, I suppose. But, um, yeah, mostly it just writes itself. We make a little outline um, for each show, and basically we split it up between three of us, myself, Andrew, and Cody Shuckhart, and a couple others chip in as well from time to time. But um, that's that's really it, and we come up with a rough cut and have a formal review in our office. More boring stuff, but uh, (laughs) that's that's literally how it is, and sometimes, you know, we have to take out three minutes worth of stuff if we're you know a little heavy that week and it's kind of makes things challenging but fun at the same time yeah i would say the most memorable of that scenario is when mike johnson was let go and rob scuderi was traded and in our episode which was i think due in maybe two days which is i mean you're up against it already at that point it's uh, Mike's gone. Rob's gone. They're two of your three interviews that you have yeah, for your upcoming though, episode. I remember doing those interviews for you guys. Yeah, that's right. And the other one was Jeff Zakoff, yeah. who played one game. <laughs> so <laughs> Jeff Zakoff was the so anchor interview had, for the entire show. Literally zero for three. I think we also had a Gary Agnew mic, uh, practice mic. And, you know, so that stuff, that's a last second. We just removed a third of the show. What are we going to do? So, yeah, you know. What did you do? Uh, I think I just cried under my desk for a yeah, while, and then I, I, I don't know did. what happened after that. No, I know we we made it work. You know, it's yeah, it's it's funny. John and I talk about it sometimes. Is um, we obviously know ourselves very well. We we have a good sense of when we personally really like what we do versus maybe sometimes it feels like it's not your favorite thing. Uh, and I'm sure everyone feels that way about what they do, but. For the most part, fortunately, we have such a good rhythm and kind of constant aesthetic to the show that you can have a huge thing like that happen, and generally it's fine. You have enough, uh, you know, you can just extend other stuff, or to us maybe, yeah, I guess my point is to us maybe it's not as interesting, but when you play it, uh, no one really knows the difference. Yeah. Uh, it's it's It just works. It's organic because the whole thing is anyway, so you just find a way to make it work, and it's, it's always there because you have to... You can't go to your boss and say, well, sorry, we're not doing the show this month. <laughs> right. Mike Johnson is no longer here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Neither is the show. So. Yeah. That was a grind, though. I think that was the f- first instance where I stayed overnight at work to try and get stuff done, and I might have not left the arena for three days. I was going to say, I know when you guys are on deadline because uh, John doesn't greasy. go home and he doesn't shower either for <laughs> yeah. three or four days. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Get a little greasy. Yeah, the overnighters <laughs> have just become tradition. I don't know. I think it's a masochism yeah. uh, on our part. It's not necessarily needed, but John and I are both pretty nitpicky about the end product. So it's like the task is going to fit the amount of time that I have left, including the hours that I should be sleeping. So, yeah, the last couple of days leading up to a show can be pretty heavy sometimes. And maybe you get off a road trip uh, with a lot of footage, and it's like, all right, I've got – two days to put all of this together which maybe sounds like a lot but it's not and you're you know i've definitely had some gnarly stretches to to get it done but you always do you always do and you probably would even if it was shorter so yeah make it happen is there anything that hit the cutting room floor that you wish could have been in 
oh, guaranteed their stuff. I got to try and think of it, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to to be frank, there is much that is on the cutting room floor. Well, obviously, we have like injuries and whatnot and insider information you can put out. But Well, I, I'm not even referring to that. I'm just saying the humorous stuff, the, the stuff that every hockey fan wishes they could see, <laughs> I would say, is one of the other big perks of this job. A lot of the stuff on the mics is what hits the cutting room floor and... I don't know how many times I've called you guys over or John over, and it's like I I got a good one here. You gotta <laughs> you gotta check this out. So I mean, there's there's literally endless amounts of those things where, as a hockey fan, you know that you are probably one of three people who's ever gonna get to hear that, and it's it's awesome because the getting to hear the real chatter. I know it's the thing everyone's like, oh, I wish I could hear that. It's like, well, I'm one of the few people who does get to hear it, so it's Whoa. it's awesome. Oh, I think we've wasted enough of your uh, time, boys. Let me yeah, reiterate thanks. how excited I am that you guys were able to come on the show. Thank you so much. I can't express that enough. And thanks, hope you uh, enjoy the episode when it comes out. Thanks, big fans of The Scoop. So you know, we're happy to be here. Absolutely. That'll do it for another edition of The Scoop Podcast presented by PPG. I'd like to once again thank our guests, John Audie and Andrew McIntyre of In The Room. For myself, Sam Kassan, alongside Michelle Cracciolo, And back in the studio, our executive producer, Wayne Gretzky Anderson, we thank you once again for listening in. We'll catch you next time.